Well, Happy New Year. That sounds weird, right? It's the end of November, but in the church calendar, Advent is the beginning of the church year. So on the church calendar, this is our new year. And we didn't even have a countdown or anything. They didn't set up that ball in New York City for the church calendar so that we could all celebrate Advent, which is here. For our Advent Sundays, we'll have a new series called The King is Coming, which also is our title of our message today. Advent is a time of preparation. Today we will decorate in here to make things ready for our celebration of Christmas. With Christmas trees and lights and wreaths and the, the evergreen. Well, the things that are artificially evergreen. But the visual reminders of what Christmas looks like. How many of your Christmas decorations already up and ready? All set. A few, we're getting there. We're getting there. We actually got our tree last Sunday. We uh, have been cutting a live tree for the last several years. And so we went out last Sunday, got the tree, and brought it home and put it in a bucket in the backyard um, so that it would have some water. Left it there. Thursday, we brought it in the house. And yesterday, we were going to decorate. And so we got all the stuff down, you know, got all the bins out and the boxes. But we, we want to put white lights on the tree. For a lot of years, we put white lights exclusive. That's all we put on the tree. So in my mind, we have all these white lights ready to go on the tree. Guess what must have failed a few years ago? And a few years ago, we bought colored lights because we were going to go back to the colored lights. So we had done that for a few years. We we're going to go back to the white lights this year, but they're gone. <laughs> Except for one strand. So we put that on. The bottom of the tree. So the bottom third of our tree or so has lights on it, maybe less. And right now it looks kind of ridiculous. But we got two strands of lights yesterday that hopefully today. Preparation takes time. It takes effort. In this Advent season, we know Christmas is coming, but the, the season is about actually having two things in view. Not only the celebration of Jesus coming at his birth in Bethlehem, but of his return as well. The king is coming. Look busy. No. The king is coming. Be ready. Be ready for the coming of the king. We need to pay attention and be ready because the son of man will return. Luke 21, which we heard read this morning, includes these words at verse 27. They will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. The first song that we sang, Sing to the King, is about the same ideas, you know, that, that the King is coming. Sing to the King who's coming to reign. The King is coming back, and that is Jesus. We know that. Jesus is the King. Last week, we talked about in Christ the King Sunday, about Jesus' power and authority and glory in his kingship, because he rules the kingdom of God, and that kingdom is more person than place. That was part of our Bible class a couple weeks ago, that the kingdom is where Jesus is. It's not a kingdom that has boundaries that you draw on a map. It doesn't have fortresses to protect the kingdom. The kingdom is where Jesus 
is. And in his life, we hear these words spoken of him by the Magi. Where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? Now, they get the king title right. They just have a narrower view than Jesus' kingship actually is. He's more than the king of the Jews. He's the king of the universe. He's the king of all creation. Similarly, Nathaniel, at his call, says, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Again, with the kingship, but the narrower view. John the Baptist and Jesus both preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand because Jesus is present. Jesus preached and told parables about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And at Palm Sunday, it was said of him, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the king of whom we speak. He's the king of kings. And we remembered it last week that his kingdom is not of this world. That's Jesus, the king of all creation, the king of the universe, who will return, and his return is promised. More than heaven is described in the Bible. Is the return of Jesus on a day, the day of the Lord. That's what it's called in the Old Testament many times, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord will come like this. The day of the Lord will mean these things are going to happen. When the day of the Lord comes, that day is when Jesus returns to set things right. In the New Testament, Jesus says this at John chapter 14. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. And I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back so that you can be where I am. He's preparing a place, and he's returning. At his ascension, it said of him, Jesus, who was taken up from heaven. This is from the two men in white who are there when the disciples are all like, now what? And looking at each other and looking at the sky and totally unaware of what they should do next and what is going on. And then the messengers from God, angels, show up and say, this Jesus who was taken from you, you'll see him coming in the same way. In the same way that he was taken up into heaven, he's going to come back. Jesus is coming. The Bible ends in Revelation chapter 22, and I think it's the second to last verse, verse 20. Jesus is speaking and says, surely... I am coming soon. And then John right away says, Amen, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. When I was growing up, that was how we began our meal prayers. Maybe you've prayed that one. Come Lord Jesus, be our guest. And let these gifts to us be blessed. Right? Come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Come, Lord Jesus, means more than be our guest. It means be our king, reign in power, 
set things straight, recreate your creation to be the, what it was supposed to be. See, that day that is coming on that day, the day of the Lord, he will bring judgment and joy. In our lives, we have days we look forward to, right? Maybe you don't know the specific date when you're first starting in school, but you know that there's an end to it, right? Graduation day. Gina, when's graduation this year? Do you know the date? Beginning of June, see? Fourth or so. We'll know it before we get there. We're not going to miss it. Because you know that the graduation day is out there, right? You know that it's coming. You might not know the date, but you know it's there. Why do you go to school? To graduate. At least most people do. That's what we want to do. We want to, I mean, there's career students, right? Who seem to go from program to program and school to school. But for most people, the graduation is, the, is in view, we have another date marked on our calendar because Max is engaged, and so we know that May 7th is a big day for our family. And there's preparations that are happening and things that are getting ready. We also have dates that get marked on the calendar, and sometimes we get email reminders or text messages because the bills are coming due. Don't forget to pay your PG&E bill. That's important. And the other bills are important as well, or April 15th. Most of us know what that day is all about. Or 16th or 17th, depending on what holidays and whatever. It used to be the 15th was it. Now it seems to move around a little bit. But still, right about that time, the taxes have to be filed. There's dates, there's days. We know that they're coming. We might look forward to some of them, like graduation days and wedding days and other great days. The day you leave on your vacation, the day of your retirement. There's dates in our minds when things are going to happen and they're going to be great. And there's maybe dates in our minds that we'd rather skip or avoid. And where you stand makes all the difference. That's true about the day of the Lord as well. Imagine a train. It's approaching the station, and inside the train, there's voice comes over the announcement, announcing what stop is next. For everybody whose destination is that stop, there's that sense of excitement, possibly. I remember being on an Amtrak train a whole bunch of years ago. I was with a group of uh, fellow students from my college. We were going to go on a ski trip, and we took Amtrak from Indiana to Colorado, and it went all the way to Winter Park, which is where we were going to ski. And it was fantastic. We rode the train for, I don't know, it was a long time, probably. But we were playing cards, and we were having a good time on the train. And then, you know, as the topography changes, we're aware that we're getting out of Kansas into Colorado and getting closer to Winter Park. <laughs> So we hear the announcement and we start to think, okay, we need to make sure that we have all of our stuff that we have in the kind of passenger area and we'll get off the train and we'll grab our skis and we'll grab our gear and we're going to go and this is going to be great. We're excited because of 
our destination. But sometimes when the train is approaching, that's not a good thing. That's not an exciting thing. Who went driving around this weekend? Maybe Friday. Did you go anywhere near a shopping center? Who went shopping on Black Friday? Anybody? Not one person in this room went shopping on Black Friday. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, there's train tracks that run close to the Great Mall, I know. And there's lots and lots of cars, so, and everybody wants to leave all at the same time because it's time for dinner, and the kids are hungry, and you kept them there for an hour too long, so you want to get through, and the, that little arm starts to come down, but you're already kind of committed. <laughs> now what? Don't go. This is the guy that's worked for the train, right? Don't go. But you hear that every now and then of somebody that like drives around that arm like a fool. <laughs> and what happens if you're on the tracks and you hear the horn? <laughs> then there's panic. Then there's fear. See, where you stand makes all the difference. If you're in the train and it's reaching the destination, that's exciting. If you're on the tracks and the train is coming, that's terrifying. Reality is we all face judgment. In the creeds, we confess that Christ will come to judge the living and the dead. He's coming again, and he will sit in judgment over all people, the living and the dead. The day of judgment is described many times in the Bible. And in Matthew 12, Jesus says this, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Or in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes, For we, all, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. We all must. And where you stand makes all the difference. Approaching judgment can create fear. Have you stood before a judge before? I had a traffic ticket a long time ago. And so I fixed the thing that they wanted me to fix. It, because I didn't have the low beams. First it was one side. I was like, oh, I can drive around with one headlight. So I did for a while until the other one went out, and I only had high beams, so I got the ticket for failure to repair. Some, I don't know what it was. So I got it fixed, and I thought, well, maybe they'll reduce the fine because I did fix it, and I'm a poor college student, and so I'll go stand before the judge. I'd fixed the thing. The worst he could say was no, and I'd have the same fine that was on the ticket originally, I think. I mean, it wasn't like I was going to be locked up for six months because I came to the court to fight a ticket that I deserved. But I was shaking in front of the judge. I was afraid. I don't know why. Because he's a judge. Because he's got the black robe and the wooden hammer thing. And he's going to say words, and those words are going to affect me. And I'm not sure what he's going to do. 
There's a lot of people that feel that way about the judgment day that is coming. Fearful, trepidation, because he's God. And he doesn't have a wooden hammer thing. But he's going to say words that are going to affect not your life, but your eternity. So there, there can be fear in that, but believers in Jesus face that day with joy. Because we need not fear. Malachi, anticipating that day, says that the godly will leap like calves on that day. Leaping like a calf. Because we have cows over this way, on the side of the hill, we get to see little baby cows every now and then, calves. The calves are kind of, they're fun. They're fun to watch. The calves, when they're excited, they kind of bound like little deer. And that's what I imagine Malachi had in view when he's talking about that. We'll leap like calves. There will be no more pain or sorrow or weeping. And all who believe will be raised to life. Our joy is promised, secured, guaranteed, because Jesus promised. Your redemption is drawing near. This is what we anticipate. Not the dread of the judgment, but the redemption that is drawing near in Jesus. This is what Luke 21, 28 said. When these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads. Because your redemption is drawing near. Straighten up and raise your heads. Walk with confidence into this judgment. Not the fear of the judge that I've felt, but walking with confidence because you know the judge's kid. And he knows you. It's always who you know, right? You ever have one of those opportunities that come up because of a relationship? I got a job that way. The best job I ever had as an engineer happened because my good friend from the time I was like this old, his dad worked as a contractor for a company that was looking for someone that I met those qualifications for that job. So he hand-carried my resume and put it on the top of the stack. And I got the job. It's always who you know. And yes, the judge is there, but you know him. You know Jesus. The son returns for redemption. He has bought us. He has claimed us. The words of Jeremiah 33, 16, this is our first reading for today. The Lord is our righteousness. Which in Hebrew is kind of a pun, actually. Because Jeremiah, when he was the prophet, the king's name was Zedekiah. Zedekiah, literally translated, means the Lord is our righteousness. So... It's kind of a pun in Jeremiah's voice to talk about the one who is coming, Zedekiah. But it's different Hebrew, a little bit from the name of the king. The Lord is our righteousness, though, is more than a pun. It's our reality as believers in Jesus that the Lord is our righteousness, that through his death he has paid the penalty for our sins. For all those things that would make us fear that judgment, the Lord who is our righteousness, laid down his life. 
for you and for me so that we can face that day with joy. And Jesus tells us to stay ready. Stay ready. Watch for the signs. Earlier in the chapter, there were signs that were given, and maybe they're familiar. Destruction, wars, earthquakes, famines, terrors, signs from heaven. All that's been going on for most of the near 2,000 years that we've been watching and waiting for Jesus. And most generations say, oh, this, this must be it. <laughs> Luther looked around at his time 500 years ago and said, this must be it. With the plagues and the wars are go- that are going on and there's signs in the heavens like all these things are happening, this must be it. Well, and I've heard that said recently or read it. This must be it. Even in this section, there are signs in the sun and the stars and the moon. Nine days ago, we had the longest eclipse that has happened in 400 years. And I went outside to look at it, and it was hazy. Satellites, meteors, a NASA, NASA mission to deflect an asteroid is underway. Roaring of the sea and the waves is described. We've seen tsunamis and hurricanes that seem to be getting worse. Foreboding of what is coming. Has there been a lot of foreboding over the last 20 months or so? I'll give you one guess why. (laughs) There's all these things that are happening, and then Jesus goes on in this reading to tell the parable of the fig tree. Look at the fig tree and all the fruit trees and, you know, all the trees. When the leaves are doing this or whatever, you know that summer is coming. Right? If we were telling the parable now, it would be like, look at the trees. When the leaves change color, you know that the seasons are changing. Even if the weather's still nice. <laughs> Unless you drive north on Evans Road right now, there's some Bradford pear trees that are like blooming. Really? Fooled by the rain. I actually looked it up because I was like, do these bloom twice a year and we've just missed it, never seen that before? With a heavy rain after a dry summer, depending on weather conditions, fruit trees can get tricked into thinking it's spring. And apparently that happened. You can drive north. I think there'll still be blooms on them, blossoms on the trees. Just drive up north on Evans when you're leaving today. See, sometimes we'll see signs and we'll think, ah, must be. But it isn't quite yet. So stay ready. Stay awake. Watch and wait. Be ready for the coming of the king because life can be distracting, can't it? Jesus knew this. Watch yourselves. Let your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life. Oh, the cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. Stay ready. By being faithful and hold on to hope. Hold on to hope because your redemption is coming. That redemption is for you. Waiting can be hard. For summer, I remember as a kid waiting for summer vacation. And it seemed to never arrive. 
And now summer comes and we're waiting for the start of school again. We still wait and watch. We've been waiting for Jesus for roughly 2,000 years, but we wait with hope, with anticipation of that day that is coming because the king is coming for you.